Hi, welcome to the Belonging Project podcast. Today I'm with Kirsten and I'm really excited to um, have her today and uh, record this episode together. We've known each other for a few years now. We've met through through work, through our coaching work, uh, and we've been doing more work together recently, and that's very exciting. And yeah, just generally, I'm looking forward to dive into what belonging means to Kirsten today. Hi, Hi Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be a part of this today and to continue our conversation on belonging. To be honest, I feel like it's been overdue. Uh, and um, yes, all right. So let's start with a little bit about you for those uh, in our listeners for those amongst our listeners who do not know you yet. So you are an emotional and cultural agility coach, and you're also a facilitator, and uh, you are based in India. You're originally from Germany. And uh, there's so many things that I want to ask you uh, already, um, kind of related to what I, I've just said. And I'm sure that there there is much more um, that you'll 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 add as well. Um, perhaps we can start with how it was growing up in Germany for you, and and then how did the move to India mm-hmm. happen? Of if course, that would be okay yes, sharing. absolutely. Yeah, so I grew up in South Germany, um, Bavaria. Um, both my parents are originally from the region both were born in the same area but their parents were from different parts of germany so we classify you know according to the local standards we still classify as immigrants in a way you know we were never fully part of the you know the the society that has always been there for generations, but we moved. Uh, so even though I spent my whole childhood in the same place, we were kind of the newcomers. And uh, I think that's been a, a first piece of uh, my own search for belonging was noticing that from a very early age that it's that I'm obviously somehow from the place, like I'm Nobody would say, you know, you're you're not fitting in, but I didn't feel like I I was fully off the place. I was fully there, and uh, and I think so. I really was interested in family history, for example, for a long period, even before moving to India. I think moving to India has enhanced that interest and my whole my interest in the topic of belonging. But it's been really, if I look back, it's been there since at least adolescence, like my teenage years, um, to try to understand how so many different uh, generations in my family have defined belonging because there was a loss of home in one part of the family. Um, and then there was very, <laughs> how to say that, very extensive nomadic lifestyles uh, like traveling a lot uh, and never fully 
arriving anywhere. So that I think there's a big topic of uprootedness in my family. And I think that we share that probably with a lot of other um, Western um, families and family systems. Yeah. I know you have a sibling. I'm curious if the uprootedness or even the sense of belonging, was that something that you talked about with your brother or even with your parents as you were growing up? It was not a, a discussion. It was not a topic of conversation. And I think we all had the symptoms of, you know, the uprootedness, but all of us dealt with it in a different way. For, for me, it was very early on to start looking for belonging in other places. So I started traveling and then my studies also, I studied international business and culture studies. So it made a lot of sense to be exposed to other places. So that was kind of my approach of finding um, belonging or identifying it for myself, mm -hmm. but it was never really a conversation within the family. Um, it's something that I hope might happen, you know, My my sibling also lives abroad. Both of us are um, away from our the context in which we grew up. So who knows? It might it might happen, you know, to have these conversations now that we we both had a chance to um, explore what belonging means in our lives and and have new discussions around that. Yeah. Yeah. And. This is really rather anecdotal what I'm going to share, but from the different people I've met and my own experiences, I feel that the more we've been exposed to kind of uprootedness or um, having families, members of our family that have moved from one place to another as we were growing up, then perhaps the more inclined we are to move places ourselves when we Absolutely. reach adulthood um i don't know if that also matches the experience you very have much so people yeah around you. and i think that and maybe to answer your earlier question about india that's how that decision came to be because i do have family history with india my mother spent almost 13 years of her youngest age in india i think she went back by 15 maybe she went back to graduate so she spent her oh, whole childhood uh, oh, wow, in okay. india my aunt was born there um my uncle spent his childhood so because my grandfather was uh, working for a german company in india at that time and so that's i think why india was always top of mind for me and i it took a long time actually to realize that not every family has this kind of um connection to a, another culture in such a you know in this way mm -hmm. because it's not our culture but still there was a deep uh connection somehow um my grandmother used to cook indian meals and you know they they had all the rugs shipped from india and you know their house looked like an indian home in many ways and that's how i grew up but i never realize until later that this is not you know not everybody has grandparents whose home looks german grandparents whose home looks like an indian home and that's something that only connected later for me and then i actually you know developed my own interest in 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 exploring india and and living there 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah, that is probably something that you didn't find in your right, classmates exactly. yeah. <laughs> as you were yeah. going to school. Or it's not something that was talked about, maybe. And um, I think really also that the period that I was growing up in, there was not much conversation around belonging and culture. You know, there was just one very dominant um, narrative, at least in the region where I grew up. And there was no, not much deviation visible or accepted or talked about. You know, it was a very... Um, homogenic culture I would say so I think that's also what made it hard mm -hmm. to th talk about these things because there was no space really I see tell us a little bit more about what led you to develop perhaps your own interests about India and then later on mm -hmm. made you move to India um, I think the interest was there early on so as I said you know it's kind of I kind of grew up with it without um, without having a deep knowledge you know it was more like something that just happened simultaneously while while I was living my life there were anecdotal uh, you know stories about India that's um, and about my family's life um, in India which of course was also not a very Indian experience because they lived in a you know at the time in a very secluded bubble I would say um, and that's the way expat life so-called expat life was at that time it probably still is but that kind of um, motivated me to 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 really experience it for myself as I was studying I studied the culture studies and uh, at that point, halfway between in my studies, um, after what is now maybe a bachelor degree, I completed an, the older German degree, which doesn't have that separation. But basically, halfway into my studies, I decided to take a break and came to India for the first time. And very naive and <laughs> very uh, unprepared, I have to say. Uh, I traveled for two months and tried to kind of recreate i went to the places for example the old apartments where my family lived you know tried try to find them in the city uh, in mumbai and um try to make my own create an my own picture of and my own experience of what india is and i mean india is too complex to be able to understand to be able to understand in two months so I came back, I was quite overwhelmed. I, I mean, I was 22 at the time, I think. And I traveled alone, um, was very, what I now call culture shock, what I didn't realize then. But I was very, uh, you know, grappling with the complexity of everything. It was very hard, that, these two months. But it was just travel. So I knew I, I'll come back. And after completing my studies, or half, uh, then continuing my studies, um, somehow I still couldn't let India go like it kept popping up I was focusing on on sustainability issues and especially the energy sector and India has a huge um, market in that way there's a lot of developments and it's very dynamic so I was drawn to 
combine that like in a way when I look back now I try to give myself like a rational excuse why I'm interested in coming back to India but actually what drove it was really something that I can't really explain it's more an like an inner urge to and a knowing that I want to be here but and then I kind of found ways to make it possible and that's by you know focusing then writing my my final thesis on uh, on the Indian energy sector then finding work in that area in Delhi and that's kind of what uh, made it possible for me then to shift but if I'm very honest I think the initial decision and it wasn't really a I'm going to sit down and now take a decision it's more something that really happened that I knew that I want to live in India it's not something that I can explain beyond this it's very yeah if that makes sense yeah it's it it almost sounds like it was a visceral kind of push that you had that this exactly. was meant to be exactly exactly step. yeah yeah and I'm really resonated with what you shared around when you first arrived I think you mentioned you you went to you went back to the places where your family lived um so there is almost a kind of pilgrimage mm-hmm. um uh sense to mm-hmm. that right you want to understand where they were where your roots were how they lived and I remember when I was growing up I was very close to my maternal grandmother and I always loved to ask her questions and we were living in France and um, she was with us and she grew up in Italy and and so it's not like we could just you know take the car and drive and have a look and I just had all those questions um, and it was such a disappointment when then you know like we couldn't actually go and have a look because other people were living there. Um, And yeah, just kind of, you want to see how they saw the world. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love that. Oh, and that Mm -hmm. gives me such a Mm -hmm. sense of, Mm -hmm. because if I, you know, if you look at it, just going to look at a building that, as you said, you know, you can't even enter. It's such a disguised you know, it's disguising the actual intention and it's the wanting to understand how their experience was, what they saw, how what they made of it. And that's not, you know, you can't find it in a building, but the 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 urge is there or the yearning is there to find something to connect to. I, I think that's the the belonging quest somehow, don't you think? Yeah, like yeah like where it's part of finding like where you where you came from right um not the building as such but the the lives that it um it enabled um yeah and then what happened what made you what made you stay how did that (laughs) work out um yeah, so after graduating, uh, I I got a, a scholarship, like a postgraduate scholarship for a group of Germans to go to India to have language courses and then work in Indian organizations. 
So you graduated Yes, I graduated in Germany, Germany yeah. and then two months later also I, yeah. I joined this uh, postgraduate program, which was a nine-month program, I think. So that was also like an easier transition maybe because there was a group of us, I think 15 of us, uh, who studied at a, for a month, studied at a university in India, had some basic, I mean, it's... Uh, very basic language instructions and and, and started basically um, settling no let me rewind that okay so we as a group of 15 we came to india together uh, after a month of language programs some cultural um, programs or cultural introductions uh, we all went to different cities to work in indian organizations as an intern, basically, it was a postgraduate internship. And that's when I uh, started working in Delhi uh, in the same field that I wrote my thesis on, so in the energy sector. And I had previous connections from Germany in Delhi, which then resulted in a, in a, a job position. And so it kind of just happened that I, it continued. I also met my now husband at the time. And that, I think, of course, was one of the deciding factors to know that I'll be staying uh, indefinitely. Um, but it was very clear after these first few months that I don't really see myself going back to Germany, even without having met my husband. I probably would have still not gone back, to be honest. It felt like going back would have been like almost starting from scratch again. And now I had already, you know, established some, some social circles. I had, you know, my, my work was uh, getting established. And so it didn't feel like, you know, a big step to stay. It was very clear that I would stay somehow. And again, more like a visceral sense than really a decision. I never really communicated my decision that I'm going to stay in India because it was it never felt like oh now there's a moment <laughs> that I can pinpoint after which it is clear that I'm staying it's just something that developed and stayed with me so it's um I, yeah that's that's the first phase I would say but then I was struggling with belonging in my field of work in my ch chosen field of work um to such a degree that I decided to step out of it. Um, and that really was like the second layer, I would say, of arriving in India because I completely stepped out of, you know, the German supported circles. I was no longer, I think until then, so the mm -hmm. first two, three years, maybe I would have counted myself as an expat. And then I transitioned into being more of a, of an immigrant, like somebody who's, arriving and settling and I stepped out of all the you know the German circles I stepped out of my professional networks and completely started over but with my base in India and my husband was going through something similar at the same time so it was quite an intense period for both of us um, for a few years to find our footing again somehow you know both of us leaving parts of our identities behind and reorienting and choosing new new lives uh, for us individually and together and i think that was a 
it was actually quite a long period, a couple of years, five to six years, I would even say. And it's only now, I'm in India now for 12 years. It's only this year that there's a sense of real arriving. So, I mean, I'm now really shortcutting a whole process, but it's like, it's had, it had phases somehow. And um, I'm only now at a place where I would say that I'm, that I'm really here. Hmm. All right, I want to yeah. unpack this a little bit. Um, what led you to decide that you wanted to step out of the German or just the expat yeah. circle in India? Now I have to be careful how I, how I phrase all of this. You know, when I saw your, when I prepared for this conversation and you were talking about the, or you're asking about the moments where I struggled with belonging, I think it was that period of coming out of university and stepping into a professional life. That was one uh, transition that I was not prepared for. And I think I'm not alone in this. Uh, now I know that I'm not alone in this because I work with people uh, who are going through these transitions. But um, I was not prepared for the level of, um, how do I say this, of microaggressions, essentially, um, power dynamics that are just playing out without being reflected or being without any intention to, to mitigate them. And so I was very, I felt very uncomfortable feeling sandwiched kind of between the Indian and the German side. I was working in a Indo-German collaboration project where I was a bit like a in bet go-between and that role did not feel comfortable because I felt I'm carrying messages that I'm not really ready to carry, but that was my work. And so I felt very... It, I think it's all a part of my identity process, like finding my place as a white woman living in India. What does that look like? Like I, with, if I don't want to show up in the ways that people have shown up, so let me show you how this works. You know, there's a lot of like power, power dynamics that come in, uh, in these, in these, uh, in these projects and in these environments. And I didn't want that. And I also didn't know how else to show up. And so I was really not resourced to hold that tension for a long time. I was very quickly going into, into burnout and into basically a constant, I was in a constant shame response uh, because I was, now I see it, you know, I was really struggling with how to exist there as a, you know, white German woman in a context that uh, that wasn't, how to say that? See, I'm now looking for words. I think we can cut this later. But there's something, what, do you, what are you understanding so far about what I shared? Or what makes you curious? There was a, an unease an and... 
an observation or realization that there was kind of an, a, a world outside of the one that you were in, uh, in the ecosystem that you were in that was actually quite different and you were not yeah. getting a sense yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a... Mm -hmm, sorry. And yeah. it sounds like... A, no, no. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I'm really on, on. open to hearing. That helped me too. It it sounds like this realization probably overlapped or perhaps overlapped with a sense of am I in the right profession? Exactly. Am I doing the exactly. right thing professionally? Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I did come and again, that was before, you know, Fridays for Future and all the, uh, these big movements that are happening now, which are bringing all these topics much more into the public eye. But uh, that was 2010 or so. Yeah. And I, I felt there, there was no, like, there was no clear path for me. It felt like either I'm within the system. Now I'm choosing to be within the system, but that means taking on all the power dynamics and as they are and kind of just functioning within it. But there was no sense of how can we do this in a way that how I, because I came to it probably with a lot of idealism. And I think a lot of people enter these fields with a lot of idealism only to realize that they're finding the same power struggles and dynamics and the same, you know, behaviors, you know, the, the microaggressions and everything that's going on uh, and the ex exclusion that happens. Um, in the same, you know, in this, in this realm where they maybe didn't expect it to be. And then coming to terms with the fact, you know, maybe the path forward is not within this, in, within the system, but, you know, to really step out and do it differently. And I mean, that's what I ultimately decided to do, but it was a big, hmm. big search and clarifying, uh, because it means letting go a lot of, I mean, it meant letting go of a lot of security and a lot of connection and a lot of, um, you know, predictability because I really stepped out not knowing yet what my work could be if it wasn't that. So, yeah, as you're saying, it's really, it's like multiple layers of uh, challenge that I think came together, you know, the, the pure transition of, uh, the professional transition, then knowing, not knowing if I'm in the right place or what that right place is actually. And then the cultural layers and, you know, the, the cultural yeah. adaptation that needed to happen. And I was just arriving. It was just the very beginning of my time here. So, yeah. Yeah. And that resonates as well, you know, to in, in, in many many different dimensions when I arrived in London it, I was just kind of fresh out of university I was starting this new job um, and I was working for a French bank and I got sucked in the and I think sucked in is the the right word because I didn't really have you know 
the time <laughs> to decide whether I wanted that or not. I got sucked yeah. in the network, you know, of expats, of, you know, more kind of French expats or French speaking um, expats. There were Belgians as well. Um, and yeah. Um, and when you're just arriving to a place and you have a non-existing network, it's a little bit like if you say no to that, then what are you really exactly. saying yes to? <laughs> um, and so I feel, you know, kind of reflecting back on that moment, I feel that I have missed out on many, many experiences of just moving into um, to a new place and having to find yourself your first social network uh, made of people that actually you share an interest with as opposed to you share a professional relationship or, you know, um, any of that or that they just happen to be very nice um, colleagues. And... Um, a little bit like you, you know, there, there came a point uh, where I did find that I was not really yeah. belonging um, and that I wanted something more that I, you know, it, it just was, it just felt that I was living in a bubble where actually I didn't need to live in a bubble uh, and I felt that I was missing out on different layers different just dimensions of being in London but it it was it was hard because at the time when I realized it I, I had been in the same city for two yeah. years um so the starting from scratch feels different um you probably I felt that I had lost that buzz of like oh I'm new and I want to try this you know who's you know who's willing or you know what is out there um I think I was probably worried of the judgment, mm -hmm. you know, like joining in in some groups and all um, outside of my network and kind of being the new one. But actually, I've been here yeah. for a while now. <laughs> um, and yeah, I wish I, I was I would have asked myself less questions than what I did, um, because the more time goes on and the more <laughs> the questions are there anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, I completely, uh, I completely get it. And, and the other thing that I wanted to come back on is you shared that now you feel like there's been a turning point, but that's been very, very uh, recently. So how many years has it been now since you've I've been, been in, in India, India for 12 years? And I would really say it, and I mean, that could be, you know, I'm not saying that it takes this long for everybody because I kept, you know, coming from that academic background about on cross-cultural management, I knew what culture shock is. I knew that, uh, you know, what it entails, but I still couldn't re recognize it when I was in it. So I would say for the whole middle portion of this period, maybe from after stepping out of, you know, the, that previous bubble until I would say almost three years ago 
so at least for a good six years or so, I was really in, in like a culture shock freeze almost. And I couldn't recognize it. I couldn't recognize what I was going through was partly informed by me navigating an environment that is foreign, that is not mine, that is where I'm not fluent in the language, where I'm visibly from, not from, you know, where I'm visibly, it's almost like I switched the earlier, um, in Germany, I had that sense of not fully belonging because a part of me never felt that these inner dimensions, for example, of life are welcome. In Germany, that's not a really, like, at least in the, where I grew up and how I grew up, it's not a part of the conversation. And now I felt more of the inner sense of belonging, knowing that this is where I want to live and build a life. But then that external factor, like being the foreigner, being the immigrant, being, uh, and it's not like anybody ever makes me feel like that. Like I've been very warmly welcomed. Um, but it's, I know that there's a, you know, I can't, I can't easily bridge all the, all the barriers that are here or that, uh, and as the, the, the social connection is limited by, by my being different, I would say. So, yeah, I think that, so the culture shock piece is something that's really been um, interesting to work through because even having all the information, having the knowledge, having the awareness, but then catching it within ourselves and seeing what it does, you know, seeing how it um, stops us also from from engaging with life and how how isolating it can be. It's really one one reason why why this is such an important part, why culture is such an important part of of my work now, because we don't we're not trained nearly enough to understand the the implications of it. I believe. And if you had a magic wand and you had an opportunity to say something to the Kirstine of a few years ago when you were in the in the midst of the culture shock, what mm, what would you tell that's her? That's a good question. Mm. I would probably just reassure her. Um, you know, that when we look for belonging, there's bound to be um, uns uncertainty and there's bound to be um, not knowing. And this is really your own path. You, you don't have anybody to ask for orientation because this is your life and your there's there's no yardsticks by which to measure your your experience um and i think i would i would encourage her to let that go that the fear and that panic of oh my god is this making sense you know it doesn't make sense in the moment it doesn't make sense and it can't be communicated to anybody else what you're going through and within you it makes sense mm. if you spend time with that i think that's the the, the message I would have for her yeah mm -hmm. I love it I love it um 
And I hope that this is totally. actually helpful for mm -hmm. yeah, I hope so. Yeah. who are going through a culture shock moment. Um, all right. I'm curious to know how you transitioned mm -hmm. into coaching and facilitation and um yeah yeah, yeah absolutely i think that came out of that experience uh, in my first uh, uh, field of work seeing how little awareness is there for all the parts of collaboration that are necessary so that people can actually do their best work and do their best work across cultures especially when it's very complex and since i saw such a lack of Of, I mean, I'm not saying that there's a lack of it completely, but there was no conversation around these topics. I really went out to explore that on my own. I said, what are the missing pieces here? What is it that these kind of spaces need so that they're more wholesome or that people can actually make the change that they want to make? Like in my case, I came very... In a very idealistic way into this whole um, uh, into the sector and wanting to make change and wanting to contribute to you know a more sustainable way of life for everybody and realizing that the methods that are used within these spaces at that time were still exactly the same that were used in all other aspects of you know economic activity so and my there's this one quote and i know it's overused but this uh, this idea that you can't solve the problems from the same place or the same mindset that created them there is somehow a shift necessary so i was looking for that what's that shift what's the what are the different abilities we need in order to truly work differently and contribute to sustainable solutions you know how what does that look like what does that need And so that's how, what brought me into into mediation work, into uh, nonviolent communication, which made the biggest impact, I would say, on my personal journey and then also on my work. Um, and and that led me to coaching. So through mediation, and and I have to mention yoga first, yoga meditation practice. Then um, and that was happening simultaneously while I was still in my previous role. Um, I trained to become a teacher. I started teaching. So I, I was teaching in the mornings and then leaving the center in my suit to go to work. And um, so that happened for a while simultaneously. But then after stepping out of that role, I fully uh, committed to this learning path. So it was, I think, maybe two years or so of really um, honing these skills and 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 that led me to coaching and coach training so and then my first you know when I started my practice it was very clear that belonging is at the heart and center of this work and I really define belonging not only as finding our place but really also finding that inner inner acceptance or relating to ourselves in a way that welcomes all our parts and all our interests and all our you know what what makes us unique um and so my my initial and it's still going on but my my practice is called home within because for me it's really about this sense of finding 
home, you know, and whatever that looks like for everybody. Yeah. And how how do you know that you found your home within? <laughs> I think I've I've started seeing it as a process. Like I don't call it like a destination anymore. I think that was maybe what I was struggling with in this culture shock period. I was thinking I need to arrive. Uh, like I need to be fully, you know, all doubts have to vanish, and I just have to be clear all the time. Uh, there was this high expectation for home within being a final place to find and now I really define it as a as a process or as a practice like just to to see what is it that now in this period that I'm in right now what does that mean and and how can I cultivate that and so for for example at the moment this is here living on a farm and you know having that sense of going outside and being for me belonging really has become a lot about about connecting with uh, with nature around me so that's one one thing how i now say that i really feel at home within and it's not doesn't mean that there's no you know of course not it doesn't mean that there's no uh, struggle or there's no it's an ongoing practice for me i would say yeah and what helps you in your practice, in this ongoing practice, do you have some specific tools that you often mm, go back to? Yeah, so many. So, I mean, one, the mo most prominent one right now is uh, the nature connection piece. Um, then I do have my, my yoga and meditation practice. It's been fluctuating over the years and it's been, uh, it looks different now. But uh, that's always there as a tool. And I do notice that when I lose that, I'm, I feel far further away from myself, if that makes sense. So that's the one where, I, where the effect is the most immediate. But the other is um, this nonviolent communication practice has been really, uh, really important for me. It's really about connecting with needs and not only mine, but those of others around me and that's been a way of for me to actually bridge also cultural difference you know to say I might not be able to communicate I might not be able to um, to to exactly express myself or hear the other person but I can you know become aware of needs uh, of human universal human needs and what they might be trying to accomplish in any situation and even for myself to become really it's almost like a meditation for me and and it's hard now maybe to explain it when the um without pre first explaining what nonviolent communication is but it's a very it's almost like a meditation for me i would say but it helps with emotional regulation and with uh with with self-awareness Ultimately, yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. I I also feel like do we need a, another episode <laughs> yeah, just on so nonviolent communication? Uh, yeah. We leave that for we leave that for another day. Um, I'm I'm curious. Um, what elements do you need? 
to feel or to see in any new environment that you get into and that could mean also mm -hmm. a new group of people um to feel that you belong there mm -hmm. it's mostly the that inner practice for me now to i think from having been looking for belonging as if this is something that somebody bestows on me you know from ex externally i've reoriented towards how how can i belong here and if i don't you know even if i feel out of place or if i feel shame for example really i'm i'm so curious also about the human emotion of shame because it's uh, one of my nonviolent communication teachers speaks about this um that our when there's shame present it's often because we have a need to belong and it's not fulfilled so to navigate those emotions that come up you know but so really befriending my my inner life my emotional life that's what's been the biggest source of belonging for me now because that i can take with me you know wherever i go i can i can work with that and it's even sweeter of course it's even more beautiful if there's a sense of really being in in surrounded by people who maybe have similar outlooks and you know that's where that social piece comes in and that's the, like the cherry on top but you know i feel the main crucial criteria for me in belonging is cultivating that for myself that sense of i belong here i can all of all parts of me are welcome here in my own experience not for anybody else but for me yeah yeah i love it i love it ah right i think it's time to mm. wrap up for today i'm really so um feeling so grateful that we've had this con this conversation I, I feel it's it's been overdue, like I said, at the start, but also I'm really very excited because I, I got to learn new things right. about you and also about <laughs> <you> everything. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you for having me. And as you could have maybe, you know, it's it's so beautiful to reflect on this out loud, you know, because a lot of this happens otherwise, silently, inwardly. And now that I'm voicing it, you know, I'm realizing there's probably a lot of people who are experiencing pieces of this, maybe not in the exact same configuration, but pieces of this in their own uh, realities. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I think conversation is, is another big piece of belonging. So you've contributed to that for me today. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I'm really glad. And, you know, I agree. I think, I mean, obviously for me, there's been so much learning out of all the, episode and amazing conversations with the Belonging Project podcast. Uh, and I really think that um, each conversation in its own way with each guest is really making me think of new new dimensions um, or even it's it's making me think of my own story in a different angle and 
um, it, it's not something that I would have done mm. on my own. Um, so yes, definitely, I agree with what you said. Talking it out loud, talking it through out loud, having a conversation about belonging can really bring you to a new depth. Um, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Kirstine, and um, trusting us um, with it. My pleasure. Really thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.